beginners. And uh, there's many things that I hope to share with you this evening and relate to you from the Word of God as it pertains to the, to the land of the Lord, the promised land, the holy land, the, the country of Israel. And um, I've got here on, on uh, the front row, I want to give these away tonight. My prayer is for God to help me connect you with his land. Um, and we've got here at the front row, and I, I want to pass these out for whoever is interested, or maybe just like a little bit of information. I just want you to pray about it. I'm not asking for any commitments right now, but for, for you to go and seek the Lord and ask God if this would be something he would allow you to do. Um, but to come to Israel with me on in January of 2024. So you've got just over a year to prepare to go. And I believe there's a great need to connect God's people to God's land. And as we connect ourselves with his, with the promised land and we're able to go and visit and be part and, and see all the, the different historical sites from the word of God, it gives us a, a deeper sense of understanding and a greater appreciation for God's word as a whole. And uh, this is a 10-day trip to the Holy Land in January 2024. There's an itinerary, 10 days broken down there. The cost, if you have any questions, please ask me. And uh, someone asked me on this morning after church, I knew I was forgetting something. Thank you, Shelby. Uh, as how many times I had been, if this was the first time that I had gone, and, and this is the second time I've gone, as I was sitting here uh, listening to the, to the song, you know, just rehearsing in my mind the different places God allowed us to visit, I've come to the conclusion that it's my favorite place in the world. And uh, if, if you would go, I believe you would probably say the same thing. It's incredible. Now, there's a lot of, historically, there's things that have changed just because uh, buildings and things of that nature have been built upon the, upon the land. But you can go, you can see the excavations, you can see uh, that, you know, the Bible teaches us that our eye affects our heart. There's that principle there. And uh, I believe it'll help us get a greater understanding and, and a deeper appreciation for the Word of God. And so last Sunday night, we began looking through some of these places. And again, this is the same slide we started with last Sunday night. And this is from, they call it Mount Precipice, and we'll talk about it here in just a little bit. Uh, but this is where they attempted to cast Jesus. Let's see here. That, see that first slide there, Brother Tom. Attitudes. I was right. We we're going to start in Matthew, Matthew chapter number five tonight, as we come to the Word of God, and what a beautiful, picturesque place it is to go and stand upon the Mount of Beatitudes. Uh, how many kids are in here tonight? Any, any children? Raise your hand. All right. What happened? This is for a piece of candy from Brother John. Uh, he's going to give you a piece of candy. I'm not going to be the one because I don't have any. So make, make, my, make my words true tonight. All right. um, who can tell me what, what Jesus did on the Mount of Beatitudes? Any children? Sermon on the Mount. That's right. This is, the, this is where they believe Jesus preached his Sermon on the Mount. And so in Matthew chapter number 5, we call, they call it the Mount of Beatitudes because this is where the Lord shared the Beatitudes. And the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse number 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the, the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. 
Jesus says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And to go and stand, and of course, through chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the gospel according to Matthew, we read the Lord's uh, great sermon on the mount. Never a greater sermon preached in all the world. And this is the location uh, where Christ, uh, as we believe Christ preached that. If, and next, next slide, please. And so, standing here uh, on the Mount of Beatitudes, you can look off in the distance, and uh, in, the, in the background, in, on the left-hand side of the screen, we, you see something called the Golan Heights. Uh, across the way, uh, if you come to Israel, we will go to a place called Gadara. Who met Jesus in Gadara? The maniac, or the, demi- the demoniac. And it was there that a thousand pigs, uh, the Lord cast the demons out of, out of that man into all that, that herd of swine. They ran violently down the hill and drowned in the sea. And bacon was on sale that day at the supermarket. Um, but all kidding aside, that's the Golan Heights. Uh, to, if you look uh, to the right, if you go down to the right, uh, you would come to a place called Capernaum. And we'll stop there in, uh, in, in a short while. Next picture, please. Just a very beautiful place uh, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Next slide, please. Oh, back up, back up. There we go. Now we're at Capernaum. And so it wasn't very far from where, from where Christ ministered. And Capernaum, really, we would call the hometown of Jesus. I want you to take your Bible and uh, let's look here. Oh, man, let's... Uh, Look in Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. Uh, Many things can be said about uh, the city of Capernaum. It was Jesus' headquarters. This is where he based his ministry out of in Galilee. Uh, Many exciting things happened. You know, I was looking for a fishing pole when I was there because I heard that, that you catch fish with money in their mouths in Capernaum. This is where uh, Jesus told Peter to go down uh, to the to the sea, and and catch and take a fish, open his mouth, and find money so they could go and pay their taxes. This is where that miracle happened. Uh, other things happened here as well. Uh, that this is where you know Christ spoke in the synagogues of Galilee. Uh, holding your place here in Luke uh, chapter uh, number ten, we look even uh, in Mark chapter number one. Uh, last Sunday, I shared with you. Uh, a picture of the synagogue in Magdala. And we know that Christ was there. We know that it was in that place that Christ went and he spoke, he walked those cobblestone streets, uh, the, the, the very streets upon which we walked, Jesus himself walked. Um, but we also know that Christ was here in Capernaum and that he taught in the synagogue here. For instance, again, in verse number 21, the Bible says, in, uh, in verse 21 of Mark 1, it says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And so in just a, in a moment, I'll show you the, the picture of the synagogue in which Jesus spoke. The foundation is still there. Some of the pillars and the columns uh, remain. And this is where Christ ministered. This is where Christ taught. There is also another, here's another question for some of the children. Uh, This is another place. Can anybody tell me uh, who else lived here in Capernaum other than Christ? There was two boys and they, uh, their father's name was Zebedee. They called them the sons of thunder. Do you remember their names? Adults? James and John. John and James. You say potato, I say potato. Uh, But yes, this is where James and John are from. Uh, This is where Peter is from. Next slide, please. Uh, This was a fisherman's village. Even today, uh, there was a boat going by, and and it was full of, of nets as they were going out Fishing for some reason early in the day. Next slide, please. This, can anybody tell me what that is? It's kind of interesting. Anybody have any, any idea what that might be? 
other than ruins. This is where they believe Peter lived. They believe this is Peter's house. They believe that this is the house that had its roof torn off. This is where Jesus was, this is the house which Jesus was teaching when no one could enter because of the press. And the four men brought their friend and and they, they got a little bit creative and destructive in the process and they took their friend up upon the roof and lowered him down after tearing the roof off into Jesus' presence and it's there where Christ made the, made the man to walk. And what an, what an amazing place to go and to see all of the town, all of the different, all the different settings here. Now, this is where Peter's mother-in-law was healed. This is, uh, this is also a city where Jesus fed the 5,000. Uh, not far from here, maybe a mile, uh, Christ would have fed the 5,000 along the slopes of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, next slide, please. Um, this was also a city of great, uh, of great, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, too much had been required. Uh, people that, have been, that had been given much. Unfortunately, this, this place was also condemned. I want you to look at what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 10. In Luke chapter 10, and uh, help if I was in Luke chapter 10. There we go. In Luke chapter number 10, the Lord, again, let's look in verse number 13. Jesus says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And Jesus says, And thou, O Capernaum. Can you imagine uh, all that, that happened here within this town? You see in the background of this, this is the synagogue in which Jesus would have taught in which Jesus would have taken the scroll and, and read on the, on, the, on the Sabbath day. And all the people that he had healed, that man who was carried by his four friends, was healed here. Christ fed the 5,000 here. He walked on water here. He, he, he preached the Sermon on the Mount here. He, he did all of these things. All of these miracles, all of these teachings, all these parables. But what does he say? He says, And thou, O Capernaum, which are exalted to heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. He that heareth uh, you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. They rejected Christ, and therefore Christ condemned them. And, you know, too much is given, much is required. Think about your Christian life tonight. All that God has given you, all that the Lord has taught you, the mercy and the grace that God has extended to you, you and I are responsible for that. And may God help us live appropriately. Next slide, please. This is inside the, the synagogue there uh, in, the, in the city of Capernaum. Uh, you see the columns there. Next slide. What, are, what is this? I have no idea. Actually, I do. Um, you can't, you can't really tell, but on, uh, the, the pillar on the right hand side, there's engravings on that pillar. There's a name engraved on this pillar and it further validates the word of God. It proves that the, his, the that the Bible's historically correct, that it's, uh, genealogies are correct. Who... What two, I asked you moments ago, what two boys, the sons of thunder, what was their dad's name? Zebedee. Zebedee. Zebedee's name is engraved on the right-hand column. Isn't that amazing? I thought that was pretty interesting. But it just further validates the truth of Scripture. Not that the Word of God needs to be validated, but it's encouraging to the, to the hearts of people. They say, we, can, we have the Bible. We, it's, it's dependable. It's reliable. And history continues to catch up to it. Um, next slide, please. 
Why don't you take your Bible, turn over to Mark, or to, I'm sorry, to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. Last Sunday evening, I shared with you Caesarea Maritime, Caesarea by the Sea, situated right there on the sea, uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. There's another Caesarea in the Promised Land, it's Caesarea Philippi. This is in the, the extreme north of, of Israel, maybe five minute, a five-minute drive from the city of Dan, we find Caesarea Philippi. And it doesn't look like much. And really, it's not much. It's been, it's been ruined for some time, and, I'm, and we're thankful. But there is much paganism that took place here in Caesarea Philippi. Next slide, please. Here, just to kind of give you an, uh, a layout, this is uh, an artistic rendering of what they believe uh, Caesarea Philippi would have looked like in the times of Christ. On the far left-hand side, you see a big white temple. That's the temple of Augustus, Caesar. Inside of that, it's, it's built or constructed over a grotto or over a cave. And it's the grotto of Pan. And inside that grotto, that grotto of Pan, there is, in fact... A, a large stone upon which they would have sacrificed. They would not just sacrifice animals upon that rock. They would also sacrifice children upon the rock. It was very pagan. But that is the grotto of Pan. Um, in the middle, uh, on the, there's another, I'm sorry, right kind of in the middle of the picture, there's another temple, that's the temple of Zeus. But you see, uh, right in the middle between the two, there's uh, the court of Pan and Nymphus. And next, next picture, please. Uh, this is the court of Pan, the court of Nymphus. Do you see the big, the big shelf there on the bottom left-hand corner? That would have been, there would have been uh, an idol or an image of Pan. And you see all the other little shelves carved out of the rock. There would have been other pagan deities placed there that would have been worshipped in this site. And as we come to Matthew chapter number 16, we find here the Lord Jesus Christ having a very important conversation with his disciples. I want you to look at what the Bible says because this is perhaps the most convicting, most powerful place we visited during our time in Israel, at least for me personally. And the Bible says in verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So it's believed that he was right here in the court of Pan, in the court of Nymphus, standing in the backdrop uh, right behind him, were all of these pagan deities when Jesus asked the question, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they responded. Look what he says in verse 14. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now we know that, that Peter is not the rock upon which Jesus built his church. He can't be, okay? Jesus is the rock. Now, there's, there's a difference between what Jesus called, uh, he says that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and it's a different kind of rock. He, said, he told Peter that, Peter, you're just a, a little itty-bitty stone, okay? But your confession, who I am, this is, a, this is the truth upon which my church will be built. That he is the Christ, that he is the son of the living God, and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Next picture, please. So here's, uh, here's another, uh, this would have been the temple of Zeus. Next picture. This is, where, this is the gate of hell. 
This is what they refer to as the gates of hell. All the paganism in all the world, all the immorality, all the, all the idolatry, all the wickedness. He said, hey, nothing is going to stop my church. Because Jesus is the one that built it. And, and, and going there and seeing all of these things, the setting, and understanding the, this, not just the historical significance, but the biblical significance of what this is. The theological truth that is expressed here in Matthew chapter 16 is challenging and convicting. And the question we pose tonight, what's your confession? What Jesus said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They answered for others, but Jesus asked them to answer for themselves. He says, but whom say ye that I am? Who is Christ? He is, the fa- he is, in fact, the Son of the living God. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Remarkable. Next picture, please. This is Lebanon, off in the distance. That says, that's how far north we were. You see the road, that is the security road where the Border Patrol agents, and may I tell you that fences and machine guns do stop people from entering. Uh, but that is, uh, that's the border of Lebanon and Israel. Next picture. And then we come to Dan. It's amazing that the two northernmost places we visited were really places known for paganism. See, in, in, the, in Dan, Jeroboam set up one of, one of the two golden calves that the children of Israel were commanded to worship and in order to, to keep the kingdom divided. And all of this happened here. But there's something else uh, just geographically significant about, uh, about the city of Dan. So, kind of a review from, from last Sunday. What does tell mean? Anybody remember? Hill, there we go. Yeah, so it's a tell. So over time, things get, lar- get taller uh, as people continually build upon them. And so you'll see some very historical things uh, from the city of, of Dan. Next picture, please. This is the Jordan River. I learned something interesting. I don't know how many of you realize this, but I, I really am not a student of Hebrew. Um, so, uh, learning something interesting here. This Can anybody tell me what, what river this is? I heard it. It's the Jordan River. And it starts all the way up in Dan. This river was moving rather briskly. Um... It had not rained. The day we were there was the first time that it had rained since May. And we see how much water was in the river at the end of summer. Winter was approaching Mount Hermon uh, just off in the north. And so as, uh, as, the wa- as the snow would melt from the top of the mountain, there would, you could see how the river would overflow, especially the further down it got uh, around this is perhaps the city of Jericho, uh, where the children of Israel crossed over near Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Uh, but our guide, he was helpful. He helped us realize that uh, the name Jordan is a compound word in the Hebrew tongue. Jor means descending from. Dan. Jor, Dan. River descending from Dan. I thought that was... Very enlightening. I enjoyed it. I don't care if you did. I did. That's why I shared it with you. Uh, but next slide, please. This, these are ruins there in the city of Dan. Uh, next slide. This is pretty amazing. This is an old Canaanite gate. This gate dates back to the time of Abraham. Abraham could have walked through that gate. We believe he did. And uh, to walk, you see the stones descending from that gate. We walked where even Abraham walked some 4,000 years ago. Just an incredible 
uh, incredible place. But I want you to look with me, if you would, in 1 Kings chapter number 12. 1 Kings chapter number 12. And we find here, again, I mentioned that this is one of the places where, uh, where Jeroboam set up his golden, one of his golden calves. He set it up in Dan, the northernmost city in, in the kingdom of Israel. But he also set another one up in, the, in one of the southernmost cities of Israel. Does anybody remember the other town? There was Dan and then there was Bethel. Give Sharon a lollipop. She, man, she gets all these answers. That is a, a roof to protect it from the weather. How many, you see that white speck kind of to the left of the door, the left of the gate? Uh, that's an owl statue to keep the pigeons away. So they don't come in and desecrate it as birds do. You know, birds in the air, I'll just leave it at that. But in 1 Kings chapter number 12, we find here, beginning in verse number 24, uh, the historical significance of the city of Dan uh, in this regard. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, ye shall not go up, uh, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord, and returned and departed according to the word of the Lord. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and dwelt therein, and went up, uh, and sorry, and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom uh, return to the house of David. In this people, if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, uh, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee uh, up out of the land of Egypt. And may I tell you that Satan, he's, he's, a, he's a repeater. This isn't the first time that they had been presented with golden calves. And we remember the wilderness wandering. And how they, they had given their gold and how they had, they had fashioned themselves a calf there in the wilderness and worshipped that, that calf while Moses was up in Mount, uh, Mount, uh, Mount Sinai receiving the commandments from God. But the Bible says in verse 29, And he set the one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan, and he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. <clears throat> and so it would have been in this place where the children of Israel resorted unto idolatry. But I want you to look back with me just very quickly in the book of Judges, please. Judges chapter number 20. We find here just... The geographical sense of, of the land of Israel in Judges chapter number 20 in verse 1. The Bible says, Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered together as one man from Dan to Beersheba. Dan is the northernmost city in Israel, and Beersheba is the southernmost. It says, uh, With the land of Gilead uh, unto the Lord in Mizpah. I want you to turn to the next slide, please. This is a picture of Cana of Galilee as it looks today. It's an amazing place, isn't it? It's quite remarkable. Not really. Uh, next slide, please. This is interesting here. This is Nathaniel's grave. Who was Nathaniel? Anybody know who Nathaniel was? Exactly. This is one of, he's one of the 12 apostles. So when, when Christ was in Cana of Galilee, perhaps Nathanael was there at the first miracle that Christ performed, which was him turning the water into wine at the marriage. Why don't you turn with me, if you would, uh, to, to the book of John. Um, John chapter number 21 is where we'll begin. Then we'll backtrack to chapter 2 and read the story here. Let's show more 
show more pictures. But in John chapter 21, in verse number 2, it says here, uh, There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael, uh, of where? Cana and Galilee. This is Cana and Galilee. And so on one side of the road, this is where Nathanael is, is buried. This is his grave, the mausoleum that they've built. We didn't go inside, but hey, I'm just going to take their word for it that he's actually in there. Um, next, next slide. Across the road is where they believe Christ turned the water into wine. Right across the road. And so we're in the basement of a church, and the foundations of which are first century, and this is the location where they believe Christ turned the water into wine. It's kind of a, just a very uh, special place. We had, we had uh, you see brother, brother John Reynolds there in the foreground with his back to us. He conducted a, a, a wedding ceremony, uh, or wedding vow renewal uh, here in this place, and there were several... Uh, couples, uh, married couples in the meet in the group, and they they had gathered, they had, they were holding hands, reciting vows, and there were swarms of people coming through the place, and they all stopped and started to video take a video of the of the uh, wedding vow renewal that we had there in uh, in Cana of Galilee, but uh, just a very special place. Next slide, please. This is a pic. Well, actually, go back. I thought I had another picture. Must be I didn't. Um, but this is where the the Lord would have turned the water into wine at the marriage feast. Um, but I'd also like for you to look in John chapter four. So oftentimes we we miss or we just don't connect the dots of the things that Christ did in these different locations. So not only did Christ turn the water into wine here. Um, in, uh, in Cana, but he also um, met another man. I want you to just begin in chapter 4, in verse number 46 of John. It says, So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my, son, ere my child die. Just, just trying to catch the desperation in the man's voice. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was come, as he was now, I'm sorry, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Well, of course he did. Jesus told him he would. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began uh, to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. We oftentimes emphasize the one and forget the other. Well, Christ, it wasn't anything spectacular that happened, per se, unless you're the father of the son who was sick. Right, but, but it was here in this town that Jesus simply gave the word and, and the child was healed. And uh, just a remarkable, remarkable truth. Next picture, please. This is Nazareth. Uh, there's about 300,000 people that live in Nazareth. And I mean, as far as the eye can see, and you know, this picture, you see houses and houses and houses. You know, if you, how many of you have ever traveled outside the United States? Uh, or maybe let's maybe say it this way: outside of uh, North America, outside of the U.S. and Canada. Okay, so this is typically the houses that you find in developing countries and third world countries. 
um, just concrete houses. Um, you know, it's like this in Asia, uh, the Middle East, uh, Europe. The houses are built not exactly the same, but it's all very congested, very on, on top of on top of another. Next, next slide, please. This is another picture of Nazareth. Next picture, please. All right, so now we're getting somewhere. I want you to take your Bible and um, and notice with me. Let's see here. I want to find um, Luke chapter number four, please. Luke chapter number four. So Nazareth, a lot of things happened in the city of Nazareth. It's here that Mary received her announcement from the Lord that that she would conceive a child, the Christ child. That uh, Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth. They lived here in Nazareth. That's why they traveled uh, to to Bethlehem uh, for the census. Uh, Jesus dwelt in Nazareth, according to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 23, uh, in order to fulfill uh, Isaiah 11.1. We find that... uh, that uh, something uh, of more significance even happened. In Luke chapter 4, notice what the Bible says in verse, in verse number 16. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So as a child, this is where Jesus lived. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now understand this, there wasn't, it wasn't a book like we have bound books today. When, they say, when he says that he received the book, he's referring to the, to the scroll upon which the book of, of Isaiah was written. And so uh, understand this, that, that Christ would have gone there. And How many of you have ever seen a scroll? Someone unwind and wind a scroll? It's quite a... a it's kind of a big task, you know, to find the exact place. And just so you, just so you know, chapter and verse divisions are not inspired. They're a later development, okay? And it's a, it's a, it's a study aid for, for you and me. And so Jesus goes into the synagogue, as his custom was. He's given the scroll. He's going to read. And the Bible says this, and he took uh, the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So it wasn't something that was already open to. He, he had to find the place. So he's unrolling and rolling. He's unrolling and rolling. He's unrolling and rolling. And he comes to the place. And he says this, or sorry, he reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance. Uh, to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, listen, you think, well, this is quite an audacious claim. Jesus said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. What was this claim? What was Christ claiming? I'm sorry? He was simply, that he's Christ. Huh. Well, how do you think that went over? Look what the Bible says. It says, and all, that, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not... Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this Proverbs, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in, in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, Many widows were in Israel in the days of, of Elias, when the heaven was shut up. Uh, three and six, three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto uh, 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 Sarepta, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias. 
the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, save Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him up unto the brow of the hill whereon the city was built. Next, next slide, please. Next slide. This is the brow of the city. The Bible says that they might cast him down headlong. You see the road all the way at the bottom of that picture? We're about 800 to 1,000 feet above sea, uh, up on top of this hill. They, they, what were they trying to do to Christ? Kill him. Why? Because they understood the claim that he had made. That he was in fact God. The Bible says, But he passing through the midst of them went on his way and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And it was here that Christ passed through the midst and uh, was delivered. So, what a, just kind of a, an amazing place to be, to stand there and, and look out across. Does anybody know what valley that is? The Jezreel Valley. The Valley of Armageddon. Um, off in the right, probably the far right side of the picture, uh, up near the horizon, you'd see we, would, we came last Sunday night to a place called Megiddo. And that's where we stood. That's the place where Christ will return and, and where we will return with him. Next slide, please. That's all. And all of God's people said, <laughs> It's over. It's over. No, it's not over. There's more. Uh, are you, uh, how many of you are enjoying this? Okay. I, just, I hope that it's an encouragement to you. But as we prepare to close, and I want you to look back with me. In Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16. Here's the application I'd like for you to take with you this evening. It's the application concerning Christ. Who is he? It doesn't matter what other people say. You cannot depend upon my, upon my conviction. You have to have it established for yourself. No one is born a Christian. You're not, you're not a Christian by birth. You're not a Christian just because you come to church. However, there is a foundational truth here that we must take hold of. It's the personal understanding of who Christ is. And, and we learn from Peter. Oftentimes we, we ridicule Peter. We're hard on him. We, you know, Peter, you open your mouth too much. You know, you talk too much. You're, you're, you know, you're too quick to act. I mean, ask Malchus. How many of you know who Malchus is? What happened to Malchus? There you go. I thought Brother Tom, he, he's on that one. Um, but yeah, Peter took out his sword and lopped off Malchus' ear there in the Garden of Gethsemane. But we, we look here to what Peter says. And this wasn't some overreaction. This is something that God gave him. Okay. This was the realization that God brought him to. And this is what Christ even tells him. He says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, uh, in verse number 17 of Matthew 16, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. May I just tell you this, because of who Christ is, this, because Christ is, is God, because he's our Redeemer, that makes him dependable. It makes him reliable. We see the promise that he extends concerning his church and that the Lord's going to build it, amen. But may I tell you, you know, nothing, nothing can prevail against the church. Not because we're anything great. You know, we're thankful that we can be part of a local church. Christ's representative. 
uh, in a city. When, a, when, a, when the church comes to a town, it takes Christ to that city. What a remarkable truth that is. But the church is so special because of its Savior. Hold to your Savior. Peter and the other disciples, they were going to endure many things, were they not? I mean, Peter was crucified upside down. Lord willing, that will never happen to me. Lord willing, it will never happen to you. They endured such persecution, such the, the weight of persecution. And it's the Lord's words, he says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which allows us to continually trust the Lord. Church, tonight, I want to encourage you to trust the Lord. This is something we all must purpose to do. Just continue trusting the Lord. Life is not always easy. We wish it was. The Christian life is sometimes difficult, isn't it? But you can trust the Lord. The church is not a building. You, we individually comprise the church. We are the church. You know, the winds might blow this building over. We pray that doesn't happen. It's insured if it happens. It's okay. But the Lord's dependable. I want to end with this. Look back in Matthew chapter number 7. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But we revisit the Mount of Beatitudes, where we started tonight. In Matthew chapter 7, understanding this, that God is trustworthy, that hardship will come, difficulties will arise, you and I have a rock, and our rock is Jesus. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he gives us his word. He makes a great promise to us. In Matthew 7, in verse number 24, the Bible says this, as Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Church, tonight, you either build your life on the rock or you don't. You either have the rock of Jesus Christ as the foundation of your life or you don't. And if you don't, your life is going to deteriorate and fall apart. It's going to crumble over the course of time. As the rain comes, as the winds blow, as the struggles of life beat upon your life, you cannot withstand it apart from Christ. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Perhaps there's nothing more intimidating than life, right? You know, we think about hurricanes and tornadoes and, and flatline winds and torrential downpours, whatever, as intimidating as those are, there's nothing more intimidating than the gates of hell. Build your life on the rock. 
The Lord's dependable. He's trustworthy. Won't you begin doing that tonight? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. In just a moment, we're going to pray and be dismissed. How many of us tonight would say, you know what, Pastor, pray that God would help me build my life on the rock. You know, it's just a very simple application tonight, but it's a helpful one. How many of you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, have endured hardship in your life? Raise your hand. Yeah. The only one that will truly get you through, we can attest to this fact, that it's Christ. You can only muster your way through for so long before even the heaviest burdens bring you down. But with Christ, you can stand. With Christ, you can prevail. You can prevail because Christ has prevailed. And you can trust in Him. Won't you ask the Lord tonight to help you build your life upon Him? He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation stone. And you and I are a bunch of lively stones. Man, there's a great sermon, right, in all this right here. Don't worry, I'll let you go. But build your life on the Lord. Build your life on his word. Ask God to give you the help you need to do so. The conviction, uh, the fortitude, the determination to continue even when life is hard. Father, we thank you that you are the rock. Lord, I'm reminded of what the Bible says. I believe it's in Deuteronomy. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Lord, you are the rock. And Father, tonight, as a people, we ask that you would help us build our lives upon you. That we would not be swayed even to abandon our foundation. But may we Remain steadfast in Thee. Father, we ask that You would strengthen us. Lord, that You would help us. And Lord, that You would see us through. Help us trust You come what may. And we ask in Jesus' name, Amen.